Hi, Satellite Sisters. We're excited to announce our new weekly newsletter, Pep Talk. That's right. It's happening. A little pep talk in your inbox on Fridays starting in August. Every issue will be short and sweet with podcast highlights, our recommendations for books, TVs, and films that are going to keep you entertained, plus recipes and other, you know, tidbits. And of course, there'll be a little pep talk because we all need that right now, don't we? It's the perfect newsletter to enjoy and then share with your satellite sisters and misters. You can find sign-up links all over the place, on our social media, on our website, on our Facebook, on our Instagram. We would love to have you sign up for Pep Talk now. Thanks. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a satellite sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leon Dolan. I'm a writer and producer. I am here in Pasadena today, but later in the show, I'm going to take you to Galapagos. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Liz, how about you? <laughs> wow, this is such an exotic beginning. I'm Liz Dolan. I am in uh, Bend, Oregon. I usually live in Santa Monica, California, but later in the show, I am going to take you to Patagonia. <laughs> and Julie? Well, this is Julie. I'm the oldest sister, and I'm not going to speak with some crazy accent <laughs> like my other two sisters, okay? I'm a podcaster. I'm here in Dallas, Texas, and I am going to take you to Peru and Machu Picchu. Yeah, that's it, people. We are taking you to Galapagos, Machu Picchu, and Patagonia on our special Encore episode. It's Let's Go South America. I, I'm i excited for this show. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed re-listening to all of these segments. I mean, at one point in our lives, we left our houses. It was great. <laughs> Travel, remember yes. it? It's so great. It was, it's so invigorating. And you come back really, you know, renewed, uh, you know, and energized after going someplace interesting and unique. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe listening to these episodes would sort of depress me because we, we can't go to places like Galapagos, Machu Picchu and Patagonia. But it was just the opposite. I just so enjoyed it. Brought back wonderful memories, made me excited to go somewhere at some point pick up my you know pictures and take a look at them so i'm happy that we're doing this what about you liz well you know one thing i noticed listening through to all of these episodes especially galapagos and patagonia is that we keep commenting on the fact that we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into you know <laughs> like like the big revelation that galapagos is in ecuador who wow. knew and you know <laughs> Of course, we knew that by the time we were flying there, but we didn't instinctively know that. And the same with Patagonia. I think back to how we decided to go to Patagonia, Julie, and it was, you know, we wanted a, a Latin America, South American adventure. I'd always, we both always heard a lot about Patagonia, but did I really know where Patagonia was? I mean, I knew part wow. of it was in Argentina, but I just really didn't have the full understanding of Chile and Argentina and way down at the bottom of the continent. I knew a little bit about it, but it's when you set these places as your goal that you end up learning quite a bit about our planet, which is really nice. Plus a lot of these vacations 
were physical challenges for us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, that surprised me how much apparently we liked that. I didn't realize that we <laughs> we did that as often as we did. Yeah, we I had to train. A- we had to train for these various vacations to Galapagos, Machu Picchu, and Patagonia. At least I did. I did a lot of swimming before the Galapagos, yes. and I'm glad I did. Jewel? I mean, this is where the Operation Sea Turtle really began, Liz, yes. with your whole fitness routine that you have continued, but it uh-huh. started when you were preparing for uh, going to Ecuador. So, yes. Uh, yeah. And yes, we did. We did. Get, you got some new hiking boots, right, Liz, for your oh, yeah. trip to Patagonia? <laughs> Yes. I wouldn't even say new hiking boots. I would say my first ever pair of hiking boots okay. is. <laughs> and I got them like six months in advance. And there's something also really great about preparing for a, a more adventurous vacation that's off in the future a little bit. So it's not mm-hmm. like, oh, let's go here in three weeks. It's we in all of these cases, they were on our calendar you know, months in advance, because you would have to, which I think really adds to the excitement of the actual vacation. Yeah, I agree. I, with I, agree. I, I think the planning, the excitement, the phone calls back and forth, you two had a lot of discussion about what you were going to wear on your trip, right, to Galapagos, you know, and we yes. discussed rain pants, Liz, you and I, you didn't yeah. want to buy them, but aren't you glad you had them when you got to Patagonia? Because yeah. uh, yes. we had rain, we had snow, we had wind, we had all the elements. Yes, yes. And it was midsummer. So that's why, I, yeah, yeah, the wind. Well, we'll be talking about the wind when we get to the Patagonia segment. <laughs> yeah, so many elements. All right, so let's just briefly set up these. The first trip you're going to hear about is to the Galapagos. We went New Year's 2015. It was, as Liz said, a trip that we prepared for for over a year. That's how far in advance we had to book uh, this small cruise that we took. Liz does a good job setting it up in the episode. So I'm just going to say that it was. Uh, the trip of a lifetime. It just was as magical as we could have imagined. And it turned out I did pack incorrectly. I should have talked more about (laughs) what to wear because it was, it's not a tropical paradise. It's actually kind of dry and arid. And I was cold most of the trip. But other than that, it was fantastic. So first up is Galapagos. Julie, then we go to Machu Picchu. What do we need to know about listening to that segment? Well, Liz and Leanne, I love it when places actually live up to its hype. Now, that's what I found out about Machu Picchu. This was a girlfriend trip that I took with my friend Susie in 2015. And, uh, you know, we've gone to some pretty exotic places around the world, Jordan, Uzbekistan, North Korea. So I had kind of low expectations for this trip. Um, But here's, you know, and also because Machu Picchu is such a big tourist spot. But I loved it. And as you can hear in this segment, I had seven big learnings about Peru and Machu Picchu. And I'm just over the top with what a great place this is. And Liz, what about Patagonia? Okay, so Patagonia. So Julie and I were like sitting on the beach. Julie pitched the idea. Let's. We had had a fun vacation the year before together. So she's like, what do you think? We're thinking of like hiking in South America. I was like, "Mm, hiking? (laughs) But then then we, you know, we found this great tour uh, operation that was hiking on the Argentina side of Patagonia. Patagonia is in Chile and Argentina. And so, Julie, it was you and your husband 
and me and my college friend, Judy. Now, mm -hmm. originally when we invited Judy, she was in, but then because of a work conflict, she was out. But then at the last minute, she was back in. So that was very exciting too. So it was the four of us in a larger tour group. And uh, it's very, very far away, but it was a super, super fun trip, both in the wilds of Patagonia and then also in Buenos Aires. Okay, so you're going to hear Galapagos, Machu Picchu, and Patagonia. These are excerpts from longer um, longer episodes. In some cases, like in Patagonia, there's actually two episodes. So all, if you want more information about these sites, more information about these episodes, links to the original episodes, just go to SatelliteSisters.com. You'll find them in the show notes or the show notes on your phone. You'll find them there, too. And then, because some of these are done, uh, you're going to hear Monica and Sheila in some of these. These are done in 2015 uh, and 2019. So, And there's some excellent um, dropping out and some limited connectivity. So we were... <laughs> We, we were on it. We were on it long before the pandemic. So, uh, so that's happening too, but they're actually, it's actually pretty funny. So, so listen, listen closely for who sticks around. All right. First up the Galapagos from new year's 2015. Let's launch in with Galapagos. Okay. Who is giving the overview? Liz, you're giving the overview of where were we and what we sure, did. Correct? Sure. I'll just establish a few of the facts and then we get into the tale of the trip. Okay. So the facts were that the day after Christmas, a subset of the family left for the Galapagos. That was a group of 10 that included Monica from Portland, Oregon, me from Santa Monica, Leon and your crew from Pasadena and our brother Brendan and his crew from Orange County, California. So we flew LA, Miami, Guayaquil, Ecuador, by the way, that's where the Galapagos is, Ecuador. Yeah, who knew? First, first Thanks one, for clearing that up, Liz. Yeah. First one fact, Ecuador also apparently named after the equator because it's right there. <laughs> who, who knew that? Fun fact number two. Uh, anyway, then we, then we flew out to Galapagos, as Leon said, we were not going to say. And we were on board the ship, the National Geographic Islander. Many of you regular listeners know, you know, I work for the, um, the National Geographic Channel. And so I had just been hearing all about all the people that had taken this great trip. So that's why we got ourselves organized to do this. And we spent eight days and seven nights cruising around the Galapagos Islands. I have the complete list of islands we stopped at. I'm not sure that you need to hear all of them, but it was just, it was an awesome exploration. You know, Darwin is the one that made the Galapagos famous because every island is different. And anyway, so it was, Julie, I was thinking of you so much because your husband is a geologist. Mm -hmm. you, got, you guys should get yourselves there sooner or later because just the rock part of the trip, I thought was interesting. Yes. You know, we don't care or know about rocks, but for <laughs> Please don't say that around my husband. <laughs> He's very sensitive about that. I mean, it's volcanoes, right, Liz? Yes, it yes. Good? It's very volcanic. Yeah. Anyway, so we flew to the Galapagos. We had seven days of cruising around. Then we flew back out to Ecuador and then ultimately home. And we just all got home at the beginning of this week. So that's the quick overview, right? There were 48 people on our boat and we were 10 of them. So, um... Uh, we did have a chance to experience cruise living, which is not something that any of us had ever done before. No. And that it makes me laugh even to hear you say that, Liz. <laughs> Liz, I, I found shipboard life sublime. You did? 
Yes, I was worried about, I've never been on a cruise, and I thought you would get this feeling that you were sort of trapped on this floating hotel with people just surrounded by water, and in our case, sharks, because there were (laughs) sharks all around the boat. But I found it absolutely sublime. I mean, I enjoyed sitting up on the sun deck there during our siesta. Now, one thing about the cruise was, it was very active. So the idea is you're not just sitting at the on the boat looking at the scenery. They have all of these small Zodiac boats, these big rubber rafts that have motors. And so all day long, you're going on these excursions. So you're getting off the boat in the Zodiacs, motoring to these islands where you have nature walks, hikes. There's a naturalist with you that uh, guides each group and he talks about all the animals and then you you get back in the Zodiac, get back on the boat, then you go out for other excursions. So it was extremely active trip, which mm-hmm. I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was perfect for my family because really my husband trapped on a boat, that's like a caged animal, being a runner. <laughs> and even he was exhausted. I mean, we would get up, uh, Julie and Sheila, we'd get up for the 6 a.m. hike. And we do the hike. Oh, hiking honey. I know. You know how much we love it, but we did it because there we were and, and, and we wanted to experience the whole thing. Then we come back for breakfast. Then we get in our wetsuits, which is a super good look on all of us. I have to say. (laughs) You'll notice we haven't posted any of those photos yet. None on the website, none on the Facebook page. Where are the wetsuits? We all want to see them. I I have to say. Wetsuits are so unattractive and they're so so big. They make you look about five times bigger. It, it's so bad. Yeah. Well, they di- they disappear your waist. That's for sure. And if you really <laughs> yeah. don't have a waist, then you're really in trouble. Um, but then we we really featured our hats, Julie, in the yeah. photos. We we yeah. had, posted a lot of good hat pictures, which you need. Again, you're on the equator. Yeah, but then we'd snorkel, and then we'd get back in the Zodiacs, and there'd be a giant meal, and then we'd take a siesta, and then we'd get right back in the Zodiacs, and there was either more hiking or more swimming or more snorkeling or just Zodiac rides, or there was sea kayaking. We did all that. Yeah, listen, listen, I did the sea kayak excursion, which was quite a lot of fun. That was great. That was great. Well, even the first day we went snorkeling, Monica, you and I were snorkeling buddies. Like, we weren't in the water, like, three minutes before... We saw the sharks, you know, Julie, you're snorkeling with sharks and all kinds of other cool fish. But like, it's a shock that you're in their world. This is not like you just being at a resort. You are a complete like you're dropped in from outer space and they have total command of the environment. It was really, really cool. Yeah, there's Are, nothing there safety uh, safety concerns. Can I ask about that? Have yes. they ever lost any passengers? Shark bites, you know, iguana bites. That, what's the word on that? Well, we did. First of all, it's a very active cruise, so it's definitely if you're not a strong swimmer, uh, it's not a good cruise for you to be honest Mm -hmm. so there wasn't anyone on our boat younger than 11 and even the 11 year old couldn't do everything so they the people in charge seem to assume that you you know what you're capable of and if it's swimming or if it's hiking you know straight up these steps uh that you're going to be able to do it so there are safety precautions but they also you know give the the passengers a lot of credit that they can handle you know what they're taking on so that's one thing it's not it would not 
not have been a good cruise for really anyone after 13 or 14. I would not recommend it just because the swimming is very active and that's like 50% of the trip is the snorkeling mm. and it's open water. It's deep water snorkeling. So you get on your suits, <laughs> you get on your flippers, <laughs> you get on your mask and then you like seal team six it over the side <laughs> of the Zodiac. Yeah. You're like, it's the complete Jacques Cousteau move yeah. backwards off Boom. the Zodiac. Yeah. It's not, you're not like wading in on the beach or anything. No, you're in real open water, like with real. Some some of the water is really deep, like a hundred feet deep along the side of this cliff with sharks. Yes. (laughs) Sharks. So, (laughs) you know, think of swimming. I would like to give a little shout out to our own Leon Dolan on New Year's Day. They had what they called a mega swim, which is we were on a beach and our ship was out there, not far, but 700 meters, 700 meters. And they said, "Okay, who wants to swim back? New Year's Day mega swim. Who wants to swim the 700 meters? Leon in the water, leading the pack on the mega swim. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Sheila. Good work. Well, it was I was really nervous about it. I was the only um, mom doing it i was the only adult woman there was a bunch of adult men including my husband and then there were the teens and college kids that were doing it but i was the only adult woman doing it and uh so i was gonna my strategy was to like hang back and be the last one so as not to embarrass myself and then monica started yelling we wanted dolan in the top six dolan in the top six and i was like oh my god i gotta do it and i just totally left my husband like standing there alone on the beach and i just got in that water. I was like, top six. I can do it. I can throw him down. And I did. I finished in the top six. So it was was very exciting. Well, Monica and I got in the Zodiac and went back to the ship and cheered her as she came in. (laughs) It was exciting. (laughs) It was the calmest day we had. The the open water that day was particularly calm. But it it is... the snorkeling was okay. I have a list of things I was surprised at about the <laughs> about the Galapagos. One is it's in Ecuador and it's six hundred miles off the coast. I thought it was like the Long Island ferry we were taking to the <laughs> Galapagos. I didn't even know. I really didn't know where it was. Either. I thought I didn't even know we were taking another plane. I was. <laughs> Like, because that was all part of the cruise. So I was like, wait, we get on a plane tomorrow morning to go to the Galapagos? All right. No wonder it's so empty because it's not near anywhere. Two, I like, if you enjoy bananas and potatoes, (laughs) Ecuador is the country for you. I mean, the most delicious bananas ever. The potatoes were magical, and I say that as an Irish woman. And Sheila, fantastic coffee, like unbelievable coffee at all venues. Almost. I'm sorry, I missed the trip. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Almost. Sorry. Okay. The other thing I'm surprised about is there's no one on any of these islands. You know, you hear about sort of remote and deserted islands. That, you know, actually there are some houses and a few hotels. No, there's none of that. There's not even a trash can. There's not a ladies room. Like (laughs) you only have three hours in the space and then you have to get out according to the Ecuadorian national park system. Like whether you're snorkeling, it's very tightly controlled. How many people can go on every day? There's no one there except the iguanas and the giant tortoises and the penguins and the booby birds. It's unbelievable. It's fantastic. And then the thing, other thing I was surprised at is the snorkeling. Like, I really haven't snorkeled that much in my lifetime. 
It was fantastic. I mean, it yeah. was like Finding Nemo. I <laughs> every day, oh. giant schools of fish. Like Leanne, you, you and Barrick really embrace the snorkeling. I see future snorkeling vacations. <laughs> I, I now I want to go to the Great Barrier Reef. Like yeah. I don't need. To, I thought I needed to scuba to enjoy that level of oneness with the sea turtle. But uh. I don't need to scuba. I was good on top of the water. <laughs> it was fantastic. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to ask, do you think the deep water aerobics prepared you well for the trip? I mean, totally. Sheila, yeah. I am so glad I did that because it was a physical, I never could have swam the half mile without, because 700 meters is a half mile. No way. No way. No way. Without training. I was glad I did a little training and it added to my comfort level because it is a little scary. The water's dark. We didn't have a ton of sunny days. So when you go over the boat, you're like, whoa, what am I going to find? <laughs> so. oh, I'm so proud of you. You reached your physical limits. I mean, you really challenged yourself physically. Yes. yes. They hadn't. Which was pretty exactly, unexpected. Exactly, Julie, which is why you need the siesta. Right. Which is something I might want to carry forward into 2015. <laughs> because there is something really excellent about having a super active morning. You come back. You have a delicious Ecuadorian lunch of potatoes and bananas. And, yes. and the pineapples. Yes. Oh, yeah. Pineapples were very good. And then we would have like two hours to just chill. So that is really a nice thing to have in the middle of the day. And then you get all suited up and you're back out there in the afternoon. So the siesta was nice. And like like you, Monica, I felt like it was day three or maybe day four that I'm like, Okay, now I'm getting the ship thing. I'm kind of understanding why people might like this life. Yeah. It's there. Maybe for me, it was the complete lack of internet that right. really makes for an awesome vacation. I have to figure out how to have less internet in my life, uh, just in general. But in future vacations, I realized I thought I was disciplined about unplugging myself, but I wasn't disciplined at all. Until you get to a place like this where we just like we had no contact with the outside world at all, which is delightful, frankly. Yeah, it was fantastic. Again, it adds to that sense of the of remoteness and like where are we or that you're at the ends of the earth. So I was just the- gonna say that's how I spend my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> at the ends of the earth. You know, all in all, like when looking, thinking back on the trip, uh, because we didn't take any pictures, did we, Leon? No, we, we didn't even know. Monica and I were like the only two. We didn't have an iPhone. We didn't have a camera. We, we had this. Yeah, we had our staff photographer, my son Brooks, and everyone yeah. else was taking photos. So the pictures are in my mind, but some of those beaches we went to were so incredibly beautiful. Where you just land on this beach, and it was beautiful, like brown sand. And nothing but sea turtle tracks, you know, where the sea turtles had come up the night before and nested and then gone back to the ocean. Maybe we saw a beautiful sea turtle and just gorgeous sand surrounded by cliffs and these really interesting lava rocks. And the beach we went to the last day when it was sunny was all covered in like mica. Um, It was just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and I know like even the first day we got the like the intro to the animals of the Galapagos, like on that first afternoon, we were on this island called North Seymour Island. Mm -hmm. And first of all, we're in the Zodiac on the way to the island and this whole, I don't know, is it called a herd of dolphins? A pod, a pod of dolphins. A gaggle. I think it's a gaggle. <laughs> Julie, it was like they were performing for our pleasure. Uh, just there were, like there were maybe a hundred dolphins just just, just swimming the, right next to the boat. Like we could we could reach out and touch them if we wanted to. We didn't because we didn't. Well, touch why them. do the animals like the Galapagos? I, I understand why you guys would like it, but why why does it attract so many animals to those islands? Because there's there no humans have. I mean, there are humans that live in this small town, but for hundreds of years there were no humans there, so there were no predators. So they're not afraid of, that's why they're not afraid of humans. That's why the sea turtles, everyone, they come right up to you when you're swimming in the water. The sea lions come up because no one hunted any of those animals. And like we all, we know Liz, the marine life, it's just very rich there. There's a lot of nutrients. So, so there's a lot of things to eat. So the animals are well fed. And that's another reason why. I guess the sharks don't eat the humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They never really explained. Well, first of all, they said sharks don't eat humans, the naturalists, a hundred times. Yeah. You know, every once in a while they bite humans by mistake. They, they so Only because they think you're a sea lion. Right. Because they think you're something else. But um, really, Julie, you want to come back in your next life as a sea lion in the Galapagos because that is the yeah, best okay. life. There's ample food. There's not the sharks aren't very aggressive towards you. Plenty of places to hang out. <laughs> yeah, that's the life. I mean, and they are like the dogs of the sea world. Like they're just so lovable. You want to pet them. We saw lots of uh, sea lion pups and moms nursing, and we saw the male sea lions staking their claim to the beach. I mean, you just you're. It's like it's you're. You're the animals in the zoo, and they're the they live there. Is the only way to, it's like a reverse zoo, it's because they're just everywhere. And you, and like even the one little town that um, we docked at two towns. One is like twenty thousand people. One is very small. And so the kids went into the very small one. It was Saturday night. They said there were more sea lions walking down the street than people. Like the whole town. <laughs> There were sea lions on the park benches. There were sea lions crossing the street. Some of them were just asleep in the middle of the street. Right. They looked like big fat drunks just yeah. asleep on the on the park benches. Which <laughs> no. is crazy. It's Another just... thing, Julie, to bear in mind to answer your question is the animals lived here already, right? They just haven't moved on or been messed with in right. any way. Yeah. As opposed mm -hmm. to most of the world where people have killed them or hunted them or fenced things off or, you know, introduced a lot of non-native animals. Really what they've been fighting in the Galapagos over the last hundred years is getting rid of the non-native animals that pirates used to leave on the islands. They would leave goats or pigs or cats. And now essentially they're just hunting down all the goats, pigs, and cats to try to get rid of them so the animals can go back, the native animals can go back to living their own lives. So it is an interesting kind of reverse zoo, as Leon said, where they're just trying to get everyone else out, you know, and leave it to themselves. So the, you learn a lot of stuff about, like, mm, I remember natural selection in ninth grade biology from Sister Binkert, but... <laughs> 
You found this was a more enriched. Um, this, this was. Yeah. I got a little bit more info from Seven Days of Naturalists than the morning Sister Binkert gave us the natural selection <laughs> spiel. That she was probably a little skeptical about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Liz, I don't know if you want to reconnect, but I believe we've lost Sheila. I know. I got, I got a text okay. from Hurley and saying, I got dropped off. No need to recall. <laughs> So, wow. I, think we, I don't know. We could try her back, but okay. she has no interest in coming back. Okay. <laughs> so you heard her. She was here. You're not going to hear her scintillating report on tidbits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Save it for next week. You know what I, the other thing I really loved about the trip was it was sort of like being at summer camp. I mean, we had all the campers really loved being with all the other families on the boat. There was one group, Julie of 22 family from the Midwest. And there were some other families and they were like, we were like campers and then the naturalists and the tour leader or the counselors. And we got our sort of assignments and we signed up to do activities and did them all together. And we all ate dinner together, and it was a lot better than chip toast that we had in <laughs> in, um, yeah, in camp. So that was just really, really fun. There was a real sense of bonding on the boat, and I, I think everyone there had a great time. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone did everything. No, definitely the highlight for me was the day we swam with the penguins. We had yeah. had a great hike. We came down on the beach. There was a whole bunch of penguins in the water feeding on a whole bunch of sardines. And those of us who had our snorkel gear just put it on. And we were swimming with those penguins, Julie, at like, or they were swimming with us. And then at, and then there were peng or pelicans dive bombing into the water. So there was an element of death too. It was penguins (laughs) and like pelicans dive bombing to get the same food. It was, it was unbelievably fantastic. That was great. That was a great day. But everything was great. And I loved the land iguanas. I have to say, I'm with Liz, though. The marine iguanas never grew on me. They're gross. They're... Those are those big sluggy-looking Yeah, and they're guys. just masses of them. And they're wet and swimming. It seems And wrong. they like piling on top of each yeah. other. So you see, like, big piles of them. And you, when you look at their faces up close, you know, like, this is where they got the design for Godzilla. Yeah. They all look like mini Godzillas. Yeah. Uh, their face and their teeth and their, uh, yeah, I could have, <laughs> but it's their world. As I say, we're, it's their world. We're just kind of dropping in. Uh, but they like, every time you t- on one certain Island, like every time you turned around, there was like a hundred of them right behind you. Right. And right. so you had to be, and they weren't, they didn't move that fast. So it's not like they were sneaking up on you. It's just, they look so much like the rocks that you could sort of be picking your way through the rocks and then realize, oh my God, that's not a big outcropping. That's a pile of 250 marine iguanas. Yes. <laughs> and so it would just, it would cause a jolt every time you noticed that, oh, that piece of rock, that whole thing is moving slowly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, that, all of that was very dramatic. So the the reentry process, as Leanne said, it takes a long time to get back, like a day and a half to get back. Uh, I also found like I the the whole first day I was back, it was uh, my first day back at the office. I like couldn't even remember how to plug stuff in or it was <laughs> change your passwords list. Yeah, it, it was that. And then somebody said to me, um, they said, "Wow." you look like 10 years younger. 
And I thought, mm. you don't know what to make of those kinds of comments. Right. Is that a compliment or I, not? Clearly no, meant as a compliment. So I yes. think, so clearly part of it was just the relaxation. Because as I said, being unplugged for eight or 10 days, like is so unusual for any of us in the modern world. Certainly for me, it is. So I think that is a lot of the relaxation. But also, I think the fact that we spend almost every morning or every afternoon just soaking our faces in salt water. Yeah. I think, I think there's some kind of spa concept there yes. of just soak your face in salt water every day. Yeah, it was fan. The salt water, my skin never looked better. You didn't even need to put, well, you need to put sunscreen on, but at night, no moisturizer or any, it was unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So the, uh, I'm just going to start soaking my face yeah. more often. <laughs> just uh, get a bowl and a snorkel and a snorkel because you'd have to leave your face in the bowl for like an hour and a half to get the full benefits we would get from our snorkeling. But, uh, it could really, a very low cost spa operation if you'd like to try opening one in your neighborhood. <laughs> okay. But Monica, for you, what was the best part of the trip? Uh, the best part was the scenery and the sea turtles, you know, just, it's always been a dream of mine to swim with sea turtles. And I've been to Hawaii and I've snorkeled quite a few times, but I've never seen a sea turtle. So, you know, that it was just magical, Julie. I can't even tell you the last snorkel, Liam, what do you, we probably saw three dozen sea turtles just easily so peaceful um and it just for me it was not just the animals but the scenery was so spectacular it was just really someplace special liz summer is coming up and you know what that means it means you're grilling you're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with your with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what, uh, what, uh, what I'm recommending. By yeah, <laughs> the way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones, and as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. 
Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils, I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo, yes. you can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz, your youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's a, infused with Osea's signature Andaria Seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSisters at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Okay, I have seven seven great thoughts about Peru, Machu Picchu. Now, first thought, Machu Picchu, you have to go. That's it, okay? Everyone, pack your bags. You have to go. I mean, I know... I know it's like almost a cliche to go to Machu Picchu. I know everybody, a lot of people go there. Uh, you know, you might think that you're going to be disappointed because it's not going to be as great as the pictures or they're going to be too many people. Just go. Okay? Really? Really? It is, here's the thing about Machu Picchu. Okay. It is, it is an absolutely spectacular site. I mean, this Inca village on top of, uh, on top of a, a mountain in the middle of the jungle. So it's at 8,400 feet. And you go up there and you see this stonework, you see houses, you see temples, you see gates, you see, you know, it's, it's an incredible site. And that would normally blow you away just to see something that is such an engineering feat. Like, how did they get those rocks? How did they do that? How did they build all that stuff? How did they bring it up there? I mean, they had hydraulics. They had, you know, they have all kinds of engineering. They had, they thought of everything. I mean, the Incas were, were pretty good. They didn't have the wheel, which was kind of. <laughs> oh, that must have been a drawback. Oops, uh, that, that would have helped a lot. That was, uh, that How was, old is Machu Picchu, Julie? Do they know when it was actually well, built? They, they feel like it was built in the 15th century, Liz. That's when they, you know, that a lot of it oh. was uh, would And still no wheel. Huh. 
Huh. Yeah, still nope, nope. They oops, uh, that was <laughs> that was not so good. But sometimes the, it's just one detail. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but they had a lot. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. But here's the thing: it's the setting. I mean, you cannot believe the mountains that 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 first of all that it sits on, and then the mountains that are surrounding the Machu Picchu. So the Incas believed that mountains were gods, and when you're on top of Mount Machu Picchu. You do too. I am telling you, you're so overwhelmed with the physical setting because you can, you know, as far as you can see in any direction are, you know, are peaks and they're, they're young mountains caused by tectonic plate movements. And so they're very high, very steep. And then in the background, you have see snow capped mountains. They have the snow level at Machu, uh, in Peru starts at about 16,000 feet. Oh my so they're gosh. really, yeah, this is, these are really majestic mountains. So, it is overwhelming to be up there. You, it, it takes your breath away and you just, you can't even, you need to at least two days up there. You can't take it all in. But if you only have one day, you got to do <laughs> You got to do what? Sorry, you faded out there a second for me. Oh, Julie. Hello. Talk to me, Machu Picchu. <laughs> Hello, hello, Peru. Oh, wait, okay. Julie. Hold Julie. on. You, you cut Julie, out. You, you dropped out. So whatever your last thought was, say it again. <laughs> okay. Sisters, you know how you uh, we say that Machu Picchu is on people's bucket list? Yeah. Well, do not wait until you're 80 to go because <laughs> it, no, I mean, honestly, it's too hard. It's too difficult to do this. So, so go as soon as you can, uh, but don't bring, and you shouldn't be eight either. Don't bring kids. This is not for young children. I mean, it is physically demanding, uh, even just walking around the site up on top. It, you know, you're on top of a mountain. So, but go soon. And here's the other reason you need to go soon, because right now in peak season, which will be June, July, and August, they'll have 5,000 visitors a day. And that's a lot of people up there. In fact, UNESCO has told Machu Picchu that they need to cut back to no more than 2,500 visitors a day. So it's going to be more, it's going to be more difficult to get to Machu Picchu because because they, they want to protect the site. So you need to go now. So don't wait till you're too old and you're going to love it. It's, it's like, ama- it, it really, I mean, it wasn't on my bucket list. I mean, I just went cause I went with my friend Susie. We do these trips like every four or five years. We try to go to some place, you know, interesting, different, exotic. Um, and, uh, but and so she had recommended this and I was like, OK, but I, I it wasn't like I really wanted to go. And now I'm so glad I went and I want to go back that, that much. So really? Yes. Yes. I definitely want to go back. <laughs> yes. Leon. it's there's there, you get up there. There's it's it is an amazing sight. Like you don't of all the spots in the world, you don't want to miss this one. If you wow. are physically able, you should do this. Second thing is Peru, good country. Yes. <laughs> okay, I was asking I was going to ask about your experience of Peru. Peru is a very good like? country as a tourist. Okay, Liz, for you first of all, the airport is excellent. Okay? <laughs> Airports are good, okay? They're not they're efficient. The planes come, they go. They have good security. You know, the whole thing operates very well. So, 
transportation in uh, in Peru is above average. Okay, because I've oh. let's just face it. I Liz, you've been to some sketchy countries. Yes. I've been to plenty of sketchy countries with sketchy airports, yes. poor transportation, especially sketchy airports at high altitude. You yeah. know that can that adds an element of danger to the sketchy airport scenario. So yeah. that's good to hear. Okay, yeah, so so it's. Um, so that, you know, that works out well. We took the train to uh, Machu Picchu, okay? We took the train and then you take this shuttle bus up um, the last 30 minutes, up this super windy uh, road to get you there. Excellent train ride. One of the, the, oh, yeah. has the best train ride of my life, okay? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. The scenery is spectacular. So excellent service on the shuttle buses, first class shuttle buses. These weren't like... You know, you didn't feel like you were going to fall off the road, even though it was quite possible because it was very, very <laughs> steep. Okay. So that's what I'd say. Transportation in Peru is excellent. The Peruvian people, they're very friendly, very warm, open. They, you know, they're open for tourism, you know, so it makes every interaction we had was super pleasant there. So that was that. I mean, that's a big plus. And you know my Spanish is pretty limited, so, <laughs> so that we did. I we did just fine. We did just fine there. Okay. And I'm a fan of Peruvian food. Okay. Well, I'm going to get to that. That's a whole nother point, Liz. Okay. We're get down to that. She has seven points, okay. Liz. Oh, so oh, I forgot. Seven points. That was point two. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Okay, sorry. Peru, Peru is good. Point three: the Inca Trail. Don't do it. Okay. You know, you know what the Inca Trail is? No. This is never heard of it. Can people, uh, like to retrace Hiram Bingham's, um, uh, hike into, uh, to discover Machu Picchu? Hiram Bingham was a professor at Yale University and the in early 1900s, he rediscovered Machu Picchu and he did it by hiking four days up and down through the jungle, crawling on his hands and knees the last bit in order to find Machu Picchu. And uh, many people uh, would like to recreate Hiram Bigham's hike. So you can hike into, into Machu Picchu if you want. I just say no. Now, now, Leon, I know you're not a hiker. Okay. You no, know, right. you don't have to convince me not to hike the Incan Trail. That's, <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm happy Here's to the, hear there's a good train for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, there's an excellent train. It's hard. It's, you go up and down, like, you know, you climb 12,000 feet, then you go down 8,000 feet, then you climb 14,000 feet. So there's a lot of climbing. It's hot. Again, we're in the jungle. Okay. It is not, it's, it's hot and it's buggy. Uh, and there are a lot of people on the trail. So, uh, I don't feel like I missed anything. I don't feel, you know, I saw some of the people coming off the Inca trail as they come into, um, and they looked bad. They look terrible. They look terrible. They were just. I'm they, sure there's some kind of documentary you can watch where you get the feel for what it's like on the Inca Trail. I have no doubt the National Geographic Society has done this. Yes. So no, I, I will look around and, and okay, see what so I can I find say, for you. Thanks, Liz. Send it on. Send it to everyone because just I say just skip that Inca Trail. Point four, Liz. Where this is food, Peruvian food. Oh my gosh, it's, delish, isn't it? It's delicious. I mean, you name it. If you like quinoa, if you like potatoes, potatoes, rice, yeah, tomatoes, uh, peppers. I mean, they have delicious beef. You know, they everything is good. Leon, it is a carbohydrate lovers, uh, you know, dream. Thanks One for singling me out. Thanks for singling me out. Well, you're Leon, a potato lover. You I said do love that potatoes. after we were in Ecuador. Yeah, Leon, they have this one dish, saltado. Okay, oh. it's like. 
beef. Do you know this dish? Yes, Ooh, yeah. It's good. It's the beef and the onions and the tomatoes, and they serve it with French fries and rice. <laughs> you can't eat at the same time. I mean, they, it's just everything was delicious. You know, every meal was great. Uh, so again, as a tourist, it's, it's a, you know, it's so interesting, the mix of Asian foods and Italian food and Spanish food and indigenous food. It, it is all good. Okay. So, so, you know, even picky eaters, you're going to enjoy the food in Peru. Uh, point five, Pan flute music grows on you. Can I just say that? <laughs> it better because it's pretty much. Is it the only thing they've got going at all? Because that's that's the impression see, you it get. It seems like it seems like it. You know, it, it is the you know a brunt of late night TV jokes about yeah. the pan flute. But I did find myself tapping my toes to some of the pan flute music that I heard, and it's everywhere. It's on the train. It seems like every restaurant you go into. It's in the airport. It, it, it really grows on you. So uh, so. So I would, I would definitely, um, it's, you know, I, don't, don't, uh, don't stay away just because of the soundtrack. Yes, that's exactly right, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now point six, uh, I just want to mention again, because <laughs> Machu Picchu is hard and the, the following footwear are not appropriate for Machu Picchu. <laughs> and I want you to make a list because, uh, my friend Susie and I saw it all. So Tom's, Uggs, Chuck's. Wedge boots, leather boots, Kim Kardashian black patent uh, sneakers are not appropriate for Machu Picchu. It's at 8,000 feet. It's on top of a mountain in the Amazon jungle. People, you must respect Mother Earth. Earth or Pachamama, as they say in, in Peru. What? I, Hot Mama? Pachamama. Pachamama. Okay. That's Mother Earth. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's a fascinating country because of the of the indigenous culture, and they're they're really not too fond of those Spanish uh, conquistadors. But just to see the clash of cultures there, to see how that played out, uh, you know, it's it's a great place to visit. And my final point is, I just I did not get to everything. I was only there seven days. We were like on the move the whole time. We were trying to see as much as we could, you know, go to markets, uh, you know, uh, hike, do stuff. But we, so I did not get to drink a Pisco Sour, which I think is the national drink of, of Peru. Because mm -hmm. uh, my friend had had a very unfortunate experience with Pisco Sours 30 years ago. Oh. And she kept saying, do not drink that drink, Julie. You will regret it. I think she set her hair on fire or something. I don't know. I don't know. So she was pretty down on Pisco Sour. So we didn't do any of that. I did not get to eat the guinea pig. Okay. okay. That That's a had. huge relief, it's, I think. That, I'm very relieved. I okay. think many listeners will be relieved. I, I mean, it's on many menus. I mean, you know, and it's, they serve it. I saw it all grilled up. I see what it looks like. I just didn't get an opportunity to do that. So maybe if I'm spend more time in Peru, I will be able to do that. I don't think that needs to be on your bucket list. I, well, not really. It's, it's sort of a side issue, but. Well, well, it is their national dish. That's all. That's all. I would but it's stick not with Saltado. Just stick with the okay. Saltado. Saltado, yes. And then finally, I can still cannot uh, differentiate camelids. Do you know that there are four different types of camelids in Peru? The alpaca, the llama, the vicuña, and the guanaco. And I can't tell the difference be between those. We oh. didn't spend enough time. But baby alpaca... In an open market, I can now tell the difference because we did a little shopping. Little, so it's great. It's a great country. And it was just, it was a great experience on multiple levels. I mean, it was 
physical because we did once we were at Machu Picchu, we did climb up uh, a very high, you know, it's it's called Huana Picchu, which is the, a big peak that you can then look down on Machu Picchu. And sadly, this is it's rigorous enough that they make you sign in uh, when you're hiking and then oh. sign out and you have to put your your nationality and your age. We were the two oldest people oh. hiking Hawana Pichu. <laughs> My friend Susie, who's 60, is 61, well, you know, she was the oldest on the list. But we did it. We were fine. Yeah, way so to throw what's... Susie under the bus. <laughs> no, she's, she's proud of it, Leanne. You've got to be proud of it. Yeah, okay. you're not there yet. Why should no? If Susie's older than you, that's just a fact. That's not that's a judgment. That's a fact, Leanne. Okay. And we're going to get T-shirts that say we climbed HP, Hawana Pichu. Cause, and, and people who know will know. Okay. We didn't hike the Inca Trail, but we climbed that thing. So it's, it was very, very steep. So, um but it was so it was it was a you know it was physically um, uh, demanding and then just you know so interesting on so many levels so uh, you know two thumbs up for Peru uh, you both would love it you both you would absolutely love uh, Peru and it's a great experience. Liz, you know we love talking about FrameBridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, <laughs> because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting FrameBridge experience. Would I, I you did. like to share? Would you like I know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already frame-bridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the frame-bridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and FrameBridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but FrameBridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds like- you're going to be happy, okay? <laughs> and that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. 
from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So, pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And Pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, Pros. All right, we're back. You're listening to Satellite Sisters, and this is it. Liz and Julie, take it away. You went yeah. on your 10-day right. hiking adventure excursion mm-hmm. to it Argentina, was and we heard all about the prep, and now we got to know yeah. what happened. It was nothing like what we expected, Leanne. <laughs> really? Well, well, we didn't really know where we were going, Leanne. That was the first thing you should know. Right, Liz? Here's what I would say. We went through a company called Backroads, and like we paid our own way and everything, so this is not a not a commercial, but the, this tour was called Patagonia Walking and Hiking Tour, Argentina's Epic Lakes, Peaks, and Glaciers. So we kind of had an idea that we would be out in the middle of nowhere hiking. I was mainly focused on my right glute the whole time I was getting ready, right. not really thinking about the the epicness of the adventure we were about to undertake. But when we got there and over the course of the 10 days, it kind of reminded me of remember when our niece Megan was little and she went to see Cats on Broadway Uh and she said I know the play is called Cats but I didn't realize the whole thing was about cats (laughs) (laughs) and that's the way I feel about glaciers like when they said we were going to be taking in glaciers they were not kidding Rachel it was it was shocking yeah, well, because I've never seen a glacier, and to be up close, to get so close to a glacier, I mean, you're really in awe of of nature. You know, yeah. I mean, they are the size, the sound of the glaciers. Uh, you know, everything about it is is really overwhelming to see. So I have some quick glacier news, Leanne. Things okay. that this is breaking news about glaciers, but it broke a million years ago. Sure. So here you go, um, because. First of all, the Southern Patagonian ice field is the third largest ice field in the world after Antarctica and Greenland. Did you know that? No. We did not know that, did oh, we, Julie? We did not know we were going to the third largest <laughs> no. uh, ice field. Like, we might have uh, we might have brought more long underwear, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this this whole, it's called Glacier National Park, so I'm not sure why. Again, it's the cat's analogy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure why the whole glacier thing didn't really sink into us, but it's... Um, the park, the, the glacier itself is 
4,826 square miles. So one glacier, the Perito Moreno Glacier, is bigger than the entire city of Buenos Aires, Leanne. Wow. Like, did you know that? No. no. Nobody knew that because nobody knew there's so many <laughs> glaciers down there. The second part, why do we care? It's glaciers, right? It's just a bunch of ice. Well, glaciers obviously regulate the climate. They do that by reflecting back sunlight rather than having the earth absorb it. But it's also an important source of fresh water. There's only 3% of all the water in the world is fresh. And you know where it comes from, Leanne? Glaciers! <laughs> <laughs> That I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, glaciers I didn't know. are your friends, Liam. Yeah. 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 I mean, I knew glaciers were my friends, but I didn't know why. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I have a whole map, which will we'll give you this as part of your, your gift package. Sure. So you can begin to appreciate the power of the glacier. And then the last thing I would just say is that glaciations, you know, you've been in classes where they explain like the Ice Age, they came through and they carved all these things. Right. And you kind of intellectually get that, but I could never really visualize it. Right. But because where we were was so remote, you could really feel and see all of that. The glacier was there, the big lakes, the glacial lakes were there. So it was a way to really and truly understand the effect. Something that happened on Earth like 150 million years ago. And you're looking at it now, Leanne. Right. You're standing there. You've hiked them the whole way. Yeah, my head, but you're really looking at it. So <laughs> glaciers, they're a water factory, and they're pretty awesome in general. So that's my breaking glacier news. Uh, you know, they're all still there. I recommend people, like, embrace the glacier. Julie? That's, that's, well, you know, I think, Leanne, when, when I think about the trip to Patagonia, what strikes me most are the elements, I mean, you know, other trips you take, it's about the art or the music. When you go to Patagonia, first the size of it, what you're really dealing with are elements. And I mean, the first is the water. What's I had no idea that the water was going to be so beautiful. It's like turquoise mm -hmm. and a, like a milky turquoise because of the glaciers, <laughs> because this is the glacier runoff and there's a lot of silt from the glaciers in the water. Uh, so it is an absolutely fantastic color that you don't expect. It looks like something from the Caribbean or, you know, yes. the Aegean Sea mm -hmm. or something. The color is turquoise. And I guess they have lakes in other parts of Patagonia that we didn't see that are purple in color because they have a lot of iron ore in the runoff. And so it turns the water purple. I wow. mean, that was amazing. Second thing about the water, Leanne, it is so fresh and clean that we, as we were hiking, we could take our water bottles and dip them into the streams or the lake and we could yes. drink the water and you didn't get sick or anything like that. I don't think there's, I, I've never been anywhere else where you can do it. Even beautiful looking streams and lakes uh, in the U.S. or Canada, you can't do that. No, but, it's exactly what they tell you not to yeah, do. Yeah, never right. do that. They, don't they even let your do dog it. drink from it, yeah. right? Yeah, Which is right. Stupid. I mean, you just, you can, so <laughs> that was mind-blowing. It was a simple thing, but it was absolutely mind-blowing. And it was the most delicious water I've ever had in my whole life. And Leanne, when you washed your hair with this water, Oh. I, I just, it was amazing. It was but it full one of the, body? Uh, one did, of, did you have body? Was, I had body finally. Oh my gosh. That's my whole life I've never had no. body. What I need to do is wash my hair with glacier water. Who knew? Okay. <laughs> this whole thing uh, was who knew? I cannot tell you how many times we said that to each other. Look at that. Who knew? No idea. Of course, Julie's husband knew, but we didn't know.
<laughs> we, yeah, we were. And icebergs, Leanne, first of all, it's very reassuring that when you learned about icebergs in like third grade, that, you know, 10% is above water and 90% is below water. That's still true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. that was, <laughs> that was a relief. And we, and we posted pictures that we saw icebergs, Leanne. And then probably I think it will be a highlight of my life is we were on a small boat and one of the, one of the men that worked on the boat was able to chip off a piece of the iceberg and they brought that onto the boat and then, uh, chopped it up and we all got to drink in this case it was dulce la leche cordial <laughs> over an iceberg cube ice yes. cube wow dulce de leche like, which is basically just like caramel yes yeah, caramel so yeah. caramel, like caramel and over iceberg. ice over an iceberg Ooh, ice cube wow okay. that sounds refreshing that mm. sounds warming and refreshing mm-hmm. just perfect yeah perfect okay. drink with the so, so you're just chipping away at the iceberg i i'm gonna just <laughs> I know we're going to get calls on that. So is that a good <laughs> it was idea? Just bobbing but around. it was floating. It was oh, floating. floating in the yeah. lake. Okay. okay. We're not destroying the iceberg. These were little chunks. They're all over the lake land. It's okay. part of the nature. This, these are one of the elements. Second element, the wind. I think we posted some uh, Instagram videos and Facebook videos to illustrate it. But they described the Patagonia winds as relentless and unstoppable. Uh, what I would add one more adjective, laughable. <laughs> Leanne, think TV weatherman reporting yeah. with those first hurricane winds. You know, I mean, we were leaning into the wind. It was, it was blowing so hard. Uh, right, Liz? Yes. Oh my God. There was one day we were coming back from a hike. I had come back a little bit earlier than Julie because I had not gone quite as far as Julie, but you're walking into the wind on your way back to uh, where our little bungalow was. And it was like a desert oasis where you see your house off in the distance, <laughs> but you can't get there oh because the wind is preventing you from getting there. It was insane. It was comical. There was one it, night where the wind was blowing so hard when we were in the town of uh, El Calafate where we literally thought like the windows would blow in in our hotel room or the roof was going to come off the joint. Really? It was that loud that they give you earplugs in the hotels, Lynn. So that because you can't sleep because there's so much wind. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, that so sounds crazy. Terrible. So <laughs> it, no, but, it, but you have respect for it. I mean, you have, you know, mm-hmm. this is you. I mean, this is an element. You're in the element. I mean, I, one time it knocked me down on the trail. I was coming down the trail and like some gust came. <laughs> came i just it like blew me over we we had to strap down our hats we had to just you know really lean into it uh but you know what it was the best air i've ever breathed liam you i just yeah it was a lot of it coming at you every day (laughs) and not every day but that was it yeah this the peaks liam that's the next element i mean i have to say you know i love the rockies they're fine sierras the alps but those Andes Mountains, mm-hmm. they are magnificent. And they're magnificent because they're, they're no foothills. Right. They just they It's just the mountains. They're absolutely covered with snow. And they take your breath away, too. With yes. the, sometimes the wind did. And then other times <laughs> you'd come around the corner and you'd see these peaks or these mountains. 
and it would stop you in your tracks. Right, Liz? Yes. Yeah. It was just amazing. And, you know, again, Julie's husband being a geologist would would be explaining to us like how these mountains just sort of pop up out of nowhere, however many millions of years ago. It was incredibly dramatic, like no mountains you've ever seen. Well, they reminded me of the Tetons. You know what? I tried to say that to Julie's husband. I was like, you know what these remind me of? The Tetons. He's like, they're nothing like the Tetons. And then he explains to me why (laughs) geologically they're nothing like the Tetons. But you're right. Because of the jaggedness of the peaks, I... That, right they out are, of the valley floor. No they foothills. are most reminiscent yes. of the Tetons. I mean, if That's, I ha- it's scientifically unsound, but photographically, yeah. I think I'm looking at your not photos. Say that. Do not say that in my husband's <laughs> presence. Right. Okay. Do not repeat that. But, Lane, we were hiking, and uh, we were led. We had some great leaders on our trip, and we also had some local guides. And as we were hiking some of these mountains uh, and peaks, you know, one of the guides that we had, Fred <laughs> Roberto, he was planning to climb uh, one of the, the Serra Torre, which is a 10,000-foot peak. And he was planning to cl- climb the west face of it, Leon, which is an ice wall. Uh-huh. And he was going to do that with an ice pick, and with ropes. Wow. Okay, that's how he was going to go up. And there's an 85% chance that he was going to be successful. Uh, but there was also a chance that he was not not going to survive. And that was our mm-hmm. guide for these mm-hmm. peaks, Leon. You know, here was a man that was going to go up with just some ropes and some carabiners and an ice pick. And he was going to climb what is considered the technically the most difficult peak in all, you know, one in, in, in the, the world. world. Mm-hmm. It is. Seratoria yeah. is, yes. Seratoria. Yeah, it's so. like, you know, Everest is for pikers. There are a couple of really hard ones. Seratoria is considered one of the hardest oh, peaks in the world. okay. And Got so it. there we were with Roberto. And there will be no Facebook pictures, no Instagram, because it's just him and the mountain. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to tell anyone when he did it. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, he didn't do it the day we were leading. <laughs> the, he was leading us. Uh-huh. But like, he didn't take us a turn like, okay, now we're going up the west face of Saratora. We didn't have to do that, Liam. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to mention are the clouds. They have yes. special clouds in um, Patagonia. They're what, what's known as lenticular clouds, and they look like flying saucers. Mm-hmm. They're, I, you've, you've just, and again, it's because of the winds and the mountain formations and the peak. It makes these very unusual cloud formations. In some cases, it, it looks like smoke is coming out of the mountains. They mm-hmm. look like volcanoes almost, but it's not. It's because of the elements. Yeah, um, and it's the kind of thing where it's so fascinatingly, and like at night, you'd be back in the hotel and you'd be looking up like clouds in the books that they had there because it was so... Because there's nothing else to do? Yeah, well, the, <laughs> you're too exhausted to stand up, right? No, because it's just so fascinating and so unusual, the combination of elements. You're like, what is up with those right. clouds? Which is not something I normally say to myself. That's... I have to say, your photos, even though neither of you are, are real photographers, your photos... <laughs> no, I mean, because some people really know how to shoot. Yeah. You guys got some amazing photos on your iPhone. If you're listening to this and you haven't checked out uh, the hashtag at Instagram, Sat Sisters Travel, you can see mm-hmm. everything you're talking about, Julie. The peaks I'm looking at, the blue water, the, the icebergs. And then there's just that one video where Liz can't speak because the wind is blowing so hard. <laughs> 
I think that. I I wanted to give you the feel. (laughs) Relentless, unstoppable, and laughable. Yeah, that's the win. Yeah, and then Leon rocks. You know, you know, I've been married to a geologist for forty years, and for forty years I've been faking it. Okay, I I admit it. I mean, like he'll say, "Oh, you see that fold? You see those dikes? You see that those uh, granites? That church layer? Do you got that? How about those rhyolites?" But I finally saw it. It is like such a geology wonderland there that if you've never been able to visualize faults and folds and movements and uh, moraines, the, uh, Patagonia is the place mm-hmm. to go because mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's all right there. And it's just, it is a wonderland that way, right? Don't you think, Yes, Liz? it's so unspoiled that you really, it's like you get to see the planet just plain, like no humans, like just <laughs> right. before there were any humans, this is what it looked like. There was even one day we were walking through that valley of fossils, Julie, right? Yes. Which was just mm-hmm. insane. And we're all these 150 million old fossils, like all over. And I literally said to you, like, if a dinosaur walked by right now, I would not be surprised. <laughs> you feel like you are in this pre-human yes. place on our planet. Like you've gone back in geologic time. That's cool. Yes. That yes. that you can't you replicate. Very you few just, places. You have to be yeah, you have to be there. And then all all while this, you know, with the wind and the water and the peaks, there's some incredible animals. Uh we oh. saw condors all the time. Mm. I mean, just soaring above these glaciers. You just you can't make that up. And we, you know, we uh uh, I, you know, I love that. We we saw hawks and eagles and fox. Uh, we saw a lot of sheep. There are still mm-hmm. a lot of sheep there. And these guanacos, which are kind of like llama-like animals. But mm-hmm. what impressed me the most, Leanne, uh, two nights we stayed um, on an estancia that is now part of the national park. Uh, but it used to be owned by an English family. All the members of the English family have have uh, since passed away. And when they all passed away in the 1930s, they had some cattle um, that were that was on this large ranch. And they sold off some of the cattle, but some of the cattle they never were able to to catch. Well, don't you know it? Some of these cows, you know, they're generational cows have survived and they're wild cows. Wow. They've gone feral. Okay, They are. And our guide said, do not get near those cows because they're mean. And even both the male and the female cows had horns, Leanne. Wow. And we, we only saw them one time and they were held up in the woods way up high, you know, and they just, mm-hmm. well, I mean, how unusual is that? That's that they, they just survived themselves. Nobody helps them at all. <laughs> and they, they've you know, they've grown thorn- horns. I <laughs> yes. Mean, uh, yeah, so wild cows. Okay, okay. Just, just think about that. Do they so, attack? They could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get too close. Yeah. yeah, they will run at you. Yeah. Oh, wow. You are an enemy. Yeah. yeah that, that so is we tried to put. Terrifying, actually. Yeah. You know, and the condors are not that nice either. Okay. You know, you got to be careful of the condors. So it's wild out there. Leanne. We didn't see any pumas. That's the other thing they have oh. up there. Yeah. Yeah. So I we was saw, on the lookout for mm-hmm. them, but we saw uh, puma tracks. And Puma yes. Scott, but like luckily no face-to-face Puma sightings. So what was your day-to-day like? Like we worried so much about the hiking. You talked about it, like how much hiking were you doing? Yeah. Well, okay, the biggest peak there is Fitzroy. It's right next to Cerro Torre. And so I think our biggest hiking day, Julie, right, was the Fitzroy day, which was yeah. our second day. So 
I went on the moderate 10-mile hike. Julie and her husband made the final 14-mile surge up. So I I believe that was the biggest, hardest day. Oh, and by the way, raining very hard that day. So and I wore snowing on the top yeah. when I when we when we got up there to Lagos de la Tres. Yeah, it was like this mean, piercing corn snow coming at us, land wow. with high winds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's your midsummer in Patagonia. This is the peak, warm, balmy part of the year. So I had on eighteen layers of clothes, and you have to constantly be adding things, taking them off. I was so grateful every time we stopped to fill our water bottles and the clear, gurgling streams, just to be able to rest. But I actually succeeded on all of these hikes. Okay, I, good. I felt like all of my training in the fall really paid off. And I know that I had shared my right butt cheek rehab yeah. with the entire Satellite Sisterhood. I had no issues. I was worried that, especially that second day, because it was a long time to be out there and you're going up a mountain and down a mountain, that I would exacerbate something. Nope. It was all good. But then here's the thing. When you're on an actual hiking trip... So the hike is 10 miles. Then you get to the bottom. And guess what? They don't pick you up in a minibus and drive you back to your hotel. Uh, They don't? Uh, No. They point at the hotel and they say, okay, that's where we're staying. So then you have like another mile and a half to go. I'm like, that was not indicated. (laughs) (laughs) And so when we made it down from that 14.6 mile hike, we were walking down the main street in this little town of Chelten, real backpacker town, you know, and, uh, and, but I was walking in the middle of the street, which you could do because there there wasn't really much any traffic. Nobody you know, there. It's the kind of town where a lot of people are climbing up uh, cliff faces, practicing, getting ready for their ascent on Serratore and whatever. But I said to I said to my husband, like, if I have to move over and get up on the curb, I don't think I can do that additional <laughs> elevation. I was done in. I was was walking back that final mile with my friend Judy, my college friend who was with us. And like halfway home, we stopped at a brew pub and we had a beer. (laughs) (laughs) We needed a little bit of sustenance before we made it all the way back to the hotel. Before the ascent. There were were days that were super hard. But you know what? There's a, a big advantage. As I said, we were part of a tour group. So the people we were with were super great. There were like 16 of us all together. And the kind of people that opt into a vacation like that, they're fun. And they were fun to be with. And No you know, winers, land, Not a single no. winer. Yeah, thank we had goodness. everybody no. was totally gung-ho. Yeah. And all of the guides were fantastic and fascinating to talk to. So even even when we stopped to, to get a beer that day, one of the, uh, Alessandro was one of our guides. He sort of came in and bought around for us. There were just four of us. And we, you just continue to talk about the mountain and the experience and you learn about the culture and the history. And, you know, part of the reason it's so unspoiled there is because, you know, the the Western explorers only got there like a hundred years ago. I mean, there were native wow. peoples there. There were indigenous peoples there, of course, but the Europeans, like, it's fairly recent. So anyway, it was just uh, all of it. There were days that were super hard, and there were other days where it just, you could not believe your eyes. So, and I enjoyed having that all be organized for us because there were times where we were in places that were so remote, I don't think you could possibly get there on your own. Yeah, so, yeah, like, and they good. gave you very good information about the uh, about the trails. All the trails were in excellent condition, too. That's oh, one that's thing. Good. I, yes. I, a big shout out to Argentina. They were 
excellent. So, you know, they were well marked and they, you know, when you had to go over a stream, the, you know, the logs were very stable. Everything was in good shape. So Which was a good thing. It was when I was on the logs going over the stream that I thought, if I get blown into that... <laughs> Oh my God. That lake or that stream. I'm going to die out here. But no. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more of this. I have a couple more questions. Uh, we're going to take a break and then uh, to thank some sponsors and then we'll be back. Okay. I want to make a couple of other comments about the vacation, about yes. like lessons from the vacation. Yes. One of the lessons for me is that it is super fun to plan an active vacation like this that then you have to train for or you're anticipating it for many months. Wasn't that part fun, Julie, that like by the time we got there, we were so psyched to be there and we were ready. So maybe you don't have to go on a 14-mile hike up and down a mountain, but some other thing that you have always want to try to sort of put it out there for six months and get ready for it makes the whole vacation more fun. I agree with that, Liz. Yeah. And then another thing, as I mentioned, the people who were with us were super fun. There were husbands and wives. There were fathers and sons. There was a pair of sisters. And one other super handy thing, I don't know why this happened, like half the people in our group were doctors, right, Joel? Oh, Joel? my God. We were so happy. Me, Liz and I had that conversation. Like, <laughs> we were really glad we had quite a few, quite a bit of medical personnel on the trip. Because one of the other things my husband said is there's no way a helicopter can land yeah. uh, where we were. So the emergency helicopter, which was our fail-safe system, you know, if we had fallen off the mountain, they were not going to be able to get a helicopter in there because of the high winds. So, yes. <laughs> so we needed, we needed, all, we, we, they were, we, we had a great group of people. Yeah. We probably didn't need a fun. neonatologist. And the thing about hiking is you end up chatting, you're, you're talking and walking mm. with a different group of people, depending on your speed, where mm. you are. And so that was very fun too. And mm -hmm. somehow, and I think most satellite sisters know this, that when you're doing something with other people, it makes it more fun. It yes. makes it, it makes it easier. And, you know, we had some great conversations yeah. Um, yeah. over the course of the vacation. Mm -hmm. One last thing I'll say, I feel like we as a group, the four of us added to the overall success of the trip, mainly because the role Julie's husband could play. Oh. Once everyone figured out that Julie's husband is a geologist, the, the guides, by the way, were super knowledgeable. So they had a lot of knowledge. But the really like big geology kinds of questions, he was really enjoying his Indiana Jones moments, sort of <laughs> explaining to people what they were looking at. So I felt like he added a lot of value to the whole group, Jules. So that was good. Yes, so that's you tra always travel with a geologist when going to Patagonia. <laughs> Finally, someone cared. <laughs> yes. Trump's been telling us about that stuff on road trips for years. And we have not cared. We've we never not cared. really given him his due. Everybody cared in Patagonia. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the name of the company you used was Backroads. Backroads, yeah. People will ask. Yeah, we'll put a link in uh, in our show notes. They have a lot of trips all over the world. I know people that have gone on Backroads trips, like biking trips in Europe, that kind of thing. But I liked the hiking and walking. I thought it was great. I'm not, not a bike person. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. And if, the, if there's one thing I hate, I dislike more than hiking, it's biking. <laughs> okay. Well, good, Leanne, this is right up your alley, then. Be sure to check it out for your next family vacation. 
It's not for everyone, but if it's for you, it's really fun to do. I have it was to say, it's very like, satisfying. It's like the Galapagos trip, the swimming. We yes. really had to to you train. had to be ready for that. You had to yeah. be ready. Yeah. The swimming wasn't easy, like mm-hmm. the scuba, the snorkeling and stuff like that. And then I I did the long haul swim, so that is fun. So I do like active things. Yes, just not. Not, not those two activities. Or <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just not those two. <laughs> but you'd enjoy the geology more than you thought you would. That's what no, I would No, that say. I believe. Because, yeah. I mean, you can go to our own wonderful national park system. And when you're in places, I mean, Yellowstone yeah. is an incredible park. I know. Uh, Yosemite. Mm-hmm. I know you've never even been to Yosemite. Okay. Can I just say this? Like, when I was in Argentina, yeah. I, I saw several of my Argentinian friends who live in Buenos Aires. And two of them said... I can't believe it. I am born and raised in Buenos Aires. I have never been to Patagonia. And I was like, really? Come on, people. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I've never been to Yosemite. <laughs> so, yeah, I I need to just shut up. And, like, I drive by Yosemite every time I go every to time. Bend. Yeah. And I just yeah, have never, never pulled off the road. So. Right. It's on my list, Leanne. Yeah, I mean, when you see in Yellowstone, you can see how the glaciers cut that Yellowstone River. Yeah. It is the same thing, like, oh, it's right there in front of you. You understand for the first time how the Earth got formed. Right. It's kind of a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Okay, we are back in summer 2020, and I just wanted to let people know that we actually did two episodes about our trip to Argentina, right, Julie? We did two because it was so action-packed. Right. Well, there were two parts to it, really, when we were actually in Patagonia and then when we went to Buenos Aires, which was like a whole different trip, only we were in the same dirty hiking clothes. But that was... (laughs) Liz was desperately trying to find a top in Buenos Aires. She could not. They only sell tango outfits, right? <laughs> but no, that was a great part of the visit too. So we did a separate episode on that. Uh, the link to that episode is in the show notes. So that's mainly about the city of Buenos Aires and just traveling to Argentina. But the highlight for sure of our trip to Buenos Aires is that satellite sister Chris lives in Buenos Aires. She and her husband run a restaurant called Don Ernesto's. So she reached out to us, back channel communication, and invited us to come meet her and dine at Don Ernesto's. And we did. And was it not like a super highlight of the trip, Julie? It, absolutely, Liz, because, you know, there was just this immediate connection. I mean, we we loved her. She loved us. And, you know, she was so gracious. She served us this big, giant Argentinian dinner, steak dinner with the chimichurro sauce and everything. And, you know, it was just so fascinating to hear her story, her story about her, how they started the business, about her work where she does. She started listening to your other podcast, right, Liz? Yes, Safe yes. for Work. And that's she, how she yeah. made the connection. Yeah. She teaches business English to business people in Buenos Aires. So she had been listening to Safe for Work because it's talk about business. And then she heard about Satellite Sisters. Then she got hooked on Satellite Sisters. And so it was, she told us how she fell in love with her husband. And then, you know, she was going home to take dinner to her daughter. It was just a delightful evening. Buenos Aires is a fantastic city anyway. But it was, it was really, really fun to have someone that we kind of felt like we already knew. Tell us about her life in that city. 
That sounds great. Yeah, that's a whole separate episode, but totally worth totally yes. worth listening to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay, fantastic. Also, we just want to mention that next week's show, uh, we're not stopping at South America. Next week is Let's Go Europe. So, <laughs> so, and you're leading that expedition. Yes. Right? Yeah, I am. A couple of years ago, I went to Europe for the first time since college. So in 27 years or just post-college, you know, I hadn't been since my 20s. And I, I'm here to tell you, a lot of things in Europe have changed in 27 years. So I report on some making some broad cultural assessments and, and engaging in stereotypes. And I'm going to tell you all about um, my trip with my college age son to um, Rome, Pompeii and Paris. So mm. that's on next week's show. And mm. then we also, as a special bonus, <laughs> bonus segment. Ooh, we have another just, bonus. Wow. Yeah, I just discovered while looking hunting around for some more european things um a satellite sister's fave segment the time that liz went to the emmys and her shoes exploded so (laughs) (laughs) yes so that's going to be a really nice bonus at the end of next week's episode and one thing we realized as we were like sorting around in our archives looking for some of these fave episodes that they tend to be the kinds of things you could never predict in your life or that you wouldn't think, oh, you know, Liam's root canal is going to be hilarious or <laughs> Liz is going to go to this big fancy event and her shoes are going to explode. So it's the, it's telling the stories of real life that are often the most fun. And those tend to be the things that you remember over time, too. So, yes, if you've heard the exploding shoe story before, I think you're going to enjoy it again. And if you've never heard it, well, you know, it is Emmy season. Uh, this is the time of year. I'm an Emmy voter, so I've been thinking a lot about it. Obviously, there are no Emmy awards this year uh, to attend, but that's okay. Anyway, so the exploding shoe, uh, it's one for the ages. That's for sure. And we want to remind you that it's really easy to share these special episodes if you're trying to, you know, gather some more listeners for us. You, maybe you and your satellite sisters want to go to Patagonia at some point or Galapagos. This would be a great one to share. And it's really easy to do. Right, Liz? Yeah, you can share because we've got all of the... Um... All of the episodes are on our new website, and it's very easy to share from the website. But also, if you use a podcast app on your phone, which most of you do, we can tell, um, they all have share functions, too. So whether you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other podcatcher, um, just Share if you're especially the friends that you've been bugging for years, telling them how much you love Satellite Sisters, then just prove it. Send them one of these special August episodes so they can start to really understand what they've been missing and they can subscribe to. And a reminder that we have started a new weekly newsletter, Pep Talk, thanks to the many, many Satellite Sisters and Misters that have signed up and are opening it. (laughs) I know exactly who opened it. So I'm tracking you people, Uh, but um, thank you. If you haven't signed up for pep talk yet, you can find links all over our website, all over social media. It's uh, and in the show notes on how to sign up for pep talk. And this week in pep talk, special bonus content. We're going to put some photos from these great trips that we took to Galapagos, Machu Picchu and Patagonia. Those will be exclusively in the pep talk newsletter for this. Okay. Wow. Good pitch. Thank you. Thanks for very much. That's what they taught me at newsletter marketing school, literally. Okay. <laughs> All right.
right. We would like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio, for understanding our notes and putting all of these shows together. We really appreciate it. A big thanks to our sponsors, Third Love, Framebridge, Green Chef, and Grammarly. Thank you for supporting Satellite Sisters, particularly now. And thanks to our Satellite Sisters listeners uh, for supporting these sponsors. It really makes a big difference. A big thanks to the whole AdOps team at Wondery. A special shout out to Chelsea Reba, who's been doing just a great job for us, especially in August, especially in the middle of a pandemic. So thank you to Wondery. All right, sisters, have a great week. You too, okay. Leanne. See you next week in Europe, Leanne. Yeah. <laughs> Adios. Oh, we you really butchered some Spanish on this week. Uh, and you had to end the show that way. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> ciao, ciao. <laughs>